0: Hey, Gladiator, we have gotten your emails, seen your comments and messages, and we're answering yes to the call. We're going to be having a live taping of the Good Gas Monday season finale. It's happening on Monday, May 20, 2019. And if you'd like to be a part of our live studio audience right here in Kingston, Jamaica, please send me an email at gmail.com so we can add you to the list. Hurry up. Spaces are limited, and I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Greetings and blessings. Welcome to another edition of Good Gas Mondays with me, Crystal Tomlinson. It is a pleasure to have your ear for another few minutes just to see if I can inject some good gas into your day, kickstart your week on a positive note, and make you feel empowered with the right kind of perspective to finish your week stronger than you even started it. So you know why we do what we do? It's because I need it. You need it. We all need it. That good perspective that's gonna help us to change our minds about our limitations. That positive conversation that helps us to tune into our abundance and not so much the things that we lack. And sometimes, That hard data that tells you how your brain and your heart and your emotions work and how you can better manipulate those emotions to live an emotionally healthy life because how you feel determines what you do, what you say, and who you are allowed to do and say with you. So we want to feel good so you can say good, believe good. And do good. My guest today is an all round do-gooder. Her name is Kamala McQuinney. She is an associate clinical psychologist, an entrepreneur, public speaker, and a survivalist. There's a core wow. element of her story, <laughs> right, that underpins that idea that she is a survivalist. Like she's skilled at perhaps not in just surviving, yeah? But going even layers beyond that now to enjoy a life, I'm so embracing that. yeah. You know, a lot of things going on, and I'm eager to talk about even the lotus like um existence that, that I believe underpins her stories, but I let her tell her story. Kamala, thank you so much for joining me. It's on my pleasure, Krista. Thank you for having me. And congrats on the podcast Absolute also. pleasure. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm having the time of my life digging up into people's minds and experiences. These conversations are opening me up to a brand new world. It's one thing to read about excellence and you know powerful journeys in books but it's another thing to be face to face with the journeyer you Uh know and hear that intonation and see their eyes light up as they reflect on something Mm -hmm. it makes a huge difference so i'm looking forward to walking as best as i can that path that you have walked with you as we reflect so tell me who kamala was when she first discovered herself Ah, so the
1: the beginnings of self discovery for me were kind of what should I say with a little <laughs> bit had some trepidation to it. Um, I felt like starting on my life there was a lot of a lot of fear, mm. a lot of timidity, a lot of living in my head and not so much living out. Yeah, you know um, that came from several different places. As I began to journey as a little girl, I started to figure out that I was comparing my story to many others' um, stories, even at that young age, Mm. especially around family dynamics, and particularly around the absence of my father. The present slash absence, you know that kind of situation (laughs) where he was there, (laughs) but he wasn't really present, Mm. you know? And so that had a lot of impact on me at a young age. I didn't really know how to define it and, you know, explain it, but I felt it. Um, And then I was also physically, I I was the tallest one in my class, So I always felt slightly awkward in my height. Mm -hmm. And then at a young age too, coming from that whole physical description, you know, how you view yourself, um, somebody told me, maybe like age six, that I sounded like a man. And I was like, what? And so in my development, I had these negative things somewhat shelved in the back of my head that, you know, I'm awkward, I'm different, I just didn't feel solid in my own skin. Right. And so high school started the whole journey. So, this is me, you know, the tall, slim, kind of awkward girl. Had one of my best friends who was the complete opposite. So, she was the typical every 13 year old's dream, you know, voluptuous, light skinned, and the whole situation. Walking beside her on the roads in Jamaica, I almost wondered if I was invisible. So, unfortunately, at that very formative time when you're beginning to, you know, come into a sense of who you really are at, mm-hmm. at, at the brink of adolescence, unfortunately, it wasn't, you know, the best set of thoughts I had. Yeah. And then, one of the critical or pivotal moments for me was when I entered maybe fifth or sixth form and the school challenge quiz coach asked me if I wanted to join the team. And I was like, okay, cool. He was like, I think you know. Let me like, for oh, your come and train with the team or whatever. I started quiz. And then, I was on TV. People complimenting me on the same voice that people said sound like a man. I was like, this, this is kind of different though. <laughs> and then, I found that guys began to be, become attracted to me for my mind. They'd be like, you're so intelligent.
0: I was like, oh, that's a thing. <laughs> that's a sexy thing. Yeah, that's a <laughs> thing. I was
1: like, oh, this is interesting. So I feel like, I feel like my blooming started around about like 15, 16 mm-hmm. in starting to see that there is value to this girl. Like a whole lot of good stuff locked up just started to tease them all little by little. And maybe about three years after I came into the knowledge of what my name meant, it actually means lotus flower
0: ah so So that's that explains the part of the business now okay yeah
1: so i started to research what lotus like what's special about the lotus flower and i found so much wealth the lotus starts its life in the bottom of a muddy pond like it's always murky dirty water down there and it is wired by the creator to always aim straight for the sun and when it emerges from that dark place it is always spotless like straight purity and so the big takeaway for me is no matter where you start, my have never starts up so Andre, so yes. you know, in terms of feeling power of self. No matter where you start, you can end up unscathed, end up beautifully and end up going for exactly where you want to go.
0: Wow, could we? I think we could stop the interview there and send you all home to pray (laughs) and meditate on what this (laughs) means, right? Everybody needs to print out the photo of a lotus flower. And if you can, can we plant them in the Caribbean? Yes, I can, yeah, man. Because now I feel like I want a lotus flower in my living room (laughs) and in my (laughs) yard.
1: It's a a beautiful, and you know, like in in Hinduism and many of the religions from the East, yeah, it's very central. It's so so much symbolism about becoming and evolving, despite where you start about wealth and purity and all the symbolism is just so powerful.
0: So I I, I fully adopted the Lotus as part of my identity at that point. And, And I must let you know she is the CEO of White Lotus Bridal Boutique here in Kingston, Jamaica and also the CEO of Island Lyric Luxury Body Collection. I have a beautiful hand cream of butter that I, I got as a gift from her earlier this year. Of course, me dig it out and use it out <laughs> and done. My panties came also up for loved one. I did, I, did, I yeah. did, and I gifted it to, right. to a family member because it was just delicious. It really was delicious. I'm so glad. So, so, not only have you weaved in the symbolism and meaning of the white lotus in the persona that is Kamala, but also in, in the business pursuits, and that I think speaks to how authentically it connects with you. Yeah. So you, let, let's go through that journey to the sun. So we get into to high school and we've developed a more positive outlook on who we are. Mm-hmm. Young adulthood, what was that like and what, what interesting and pivotal moments did we have there? So, now, young adulthood, <laughs> the adventures really started mm-hmm. because since
1: I was probably age six, I've been signing my name, Dr. Kamala Patrice McWinney. And as far as I was concerned, I was made to become a pediatrician because I love children. I was like, this is it. Mm -hmm. Enter high school doing the sciences, A-levels come, mash up, pop down, foolishness. The results were like a hot mess, right? (laughs) So my best result on my grade sheet was in GP. I got a perfect score because I love to write. I love to express myself. The sciences, which I wanted, which I needed to pursue medicine, not so much. And that wasn't a big stop sign for me because I was like, I want this. So I went to university, continued to pursue that line of study and reached the penultimate year to actually matriculate with the degree in biochemistry. Um, Crystal, I had a complete and utter just flat out meltdown. I just could not anymore. I wasn't satisfied, I wasn't doing well, I wasn't fulfilled, I no longer wanted that for myself. Now, everybody who knows me very well was keen on having pediatrician in their family. You know? <gasps> they were, were ready for you. They were ready for me. But I realized in that moment that I could not do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't just about the grades. It was about the motivation not being there. I, I no longer could see myself sitting in an office or at the hospital being anybody's doctor in that way. Yeah. And so one day, I had the bold idea that I need to do something. I cannot continue on this path. So I went to see Professor. Um, Barry Chavans, who was a dean at the time, and I said, Dr. Um, Professor Chavans, I need to transfer from side to Sosci. Here, how God good to me know. He says to me, um, what are your reasons for wanting to transfer? Because typically, we accept transfers only if the persons are doing well, which I was not, or if they are a misfit in their current line of study. I was like, that's me, though. So he went on the system to confirm the part about the doing yes. well. Okay, okay. Right? Yes. And he said, oh, our system is down today. But I assumed that your bride was just that you're failing. I was like, Jesus. are you. I assumed that you're
0: bride were your bride but just failing. failing. Yes. Like, yes. That, that's
1: the reality. Yes. That's I said about what I was thinking about myself. Yeah. And so he's, I'll never forget the words. He said to me, I'm going to go ahead and engineer your transfer to soul That was another pivotal moment for me. Cause that's when I decided to pursue what I had, what had become a passion over the last couple of years, which was psychology. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I went and did a master's in clinical psychology and I have no regrets. So that was another pivotal moment, career-wise, figuring out what I'm really here to do.
0: Now I saw an interview, just happened upon it on CBS. A gentleman, and I've forgotten his name, but I've not forgotten the title of his book. Um, it was about lighthouses, and he describes personalities in our lives who become lighthouses for us as we walk a dark and lonely street. Mm-hmm. Um but Professor shivan sounds like in that moment he was a lighthouse. Absolutely. For you. Who else turned on the light for you on on a dark road? Like, who do you want to stop and just recognize for being light in moments when you needed it? That's a very good question.
1: Um, It takes me to another point in the journey, Mm -hmm. which was having gone through breast cancer. Ah. So 20s were adventurous, interesting, fun, challenging, Um, and then at age 30 when I felt like I'm ready to know, flip a different page in my story, breast cancer happened upon me. And if going through that journey, I feel like several lighthouses jumped out at me. So there was one friend of mine who walked the journey along with me. And just seeing, I couldn't see myself going through, but just looking at her and seeing what I must have looked like to other people, going through in spite of the everything, the hair loss and the stress and the medication. Describing me. when you
0: say she's going through it with you, what exactly is she doing?
1: So she actually battled breast cancer along with me because, okay, so I knew her as a business acquaintance. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're not really touched like that. And then I walked into chemotherapy for my first day and I saw this woman just waft into the room. So I'm like, I know this face. And then before I left, she looked at me a lot. I looked at her and she said, Come on, what are you doing here? And I realized it was her. And so we literally walked the journey, ah. the treatment journey together. So just looking at her going through, despite all the things going on in her personal life, just as with mine and the, the whole works, she was a lighthouse for me because in some ways I could see myself in her. And I also could see what I couldn't see in me, that, you know, Factor. day by like day, yeah, just take it day by day. So she was
0: another one for me, for which I'm eternally grateful. Now, in, in that period now, your early 30s, as you say, is when people's going, okay, end of my youthful chapter, time for my mature adult chapter. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the things that you had to start saying to yourself, those changing conversations, you now, that brought with it brutal honesty, but was necessary to clean up that lens for you? So I think the the major one that sounds like that for me was a love space
1: Mm. because I was in a situation, I can't say it was a relationship, it was a situation, yeah, um, where I cared very deeply and because of the inconsistencies, you don't really know where you stand. Is this a thing? Is it not? Is this going anywhere? Is it not? Like this could really be good, but I'm not so sure if it's going (laughs) anywhere at all. And I allowed myself to stay in that space for way too long. And so ultimately, I came to a point where I was like, Kamala, if you stay here, you're going to die. You have to do something. And it forced me to have a brutally honest conversation, which is still ongoing. It's a a constant process for me of saying, why did you allow yourself to stay here for so long? What did you hope to get from this? Why does it hurt as much as it does? And those conversations, Crystal, oh God, not kind of fun, no kind of cute, but I think every woman needs to peel the layers back. So for me, I came to realize that I still was bringing some of the baggage of not loving myself completely and utterly from childhood days. Mm-hmm. And I remember in in, in um, studying to achieve the master's degree in clinical psychology, our coordinator had the grand idea that all of us had to actually receive therapy because you can't be in a people head of you're not right? Yes. yes, yes. And so. <laughs> and so she asked us to write down like her top three things that we, that we think we need to work on emotionally. So I was like on oh, father issues. But I was saying it so flippantly because I wasn't really, you know, mm-hmm. I'm good enough, but let me just put it on the list. Girl, I went to therapy the first session, I believe. And my therapist says to me, Here's your homework. Go home and write a letter to your father. Was he still alive at that <laughs> time? Yeah, mindfully. Um, Crystal, I started to write a letter. And I'm like, this is, this is such a dumb assignment. Like, so I'm writing very, you know, politely. From, the, from our cognition, mm-hmm. all the things I know or claim to know. And then I buck up on a thought, he just jumped out at me, which I know happened because it was suppressed. I didn't even give any kind of air to it. And I just found myself desperately needing to say to him, why did not you love me? I was a good girl. I was pulled over. I didn't know I was walking around with that sense of not being enough yeah. for all these many years. I was in my 20s at that point, right? And so after that, now it's like something opened up and I I began to just gush all the things that my subconscious Mm -hmm. was holding on to that I wasn't consciously aware of. Here I was about to become a psychologist and didn't check all this stuff. So it it, it raised so many points for me. One of them was it became clear to me why I had been in a couple of situations attracted to unavailable men. Mm. Because I don't know if you know about the, the Freudian concept of repetition compulsion, Whereas human beings, we have this innate desire to replay pain points or conflict areas from our childhood in the hopes that we can resolve them.
0: Wow. So now I'm feeling like I need to sit down and just assess all the things that are happening oh in my life. Oh God. oh, God. Oh, God. To see if I'm repeating anything that I may not even be conscious of, you know. But yeah. when you begin to interrogate it, as you said, it pops up, springs up from that well. Absolutely. If we're open.
1: And so I, I realized that the unavailability dynamic was something that it made sense because my father was, uh, he was available, but he was not. Emotionally, he, he was, yeah. yeah. He, he could have been sitting there for 24 hours, but I never saw him as a source of, you know, someone who I could share with or of encouragement. He just, he was blocked off in many ways. And so I saw myself going towards men who were there. And I thought the nice things, you know. they might tell us you're cute and you're nice whatever but when it really counts when it when when it moves beyond the surface they're unavailable and so that was a pivotal
0: shift for me and it became so important for me to share that with other women how do you avoid returning or relapsing into that need to resolve and repeat do you think you've gotten over it completely or takes a daily setting up Of of particular things to make sure that I don't make the left turn when I get to the intersection. What do you do? I feel like it's almost I feel like it's almost a case
1: where once you're brutally honest with yourself and you start to do the work I almost feel like it's a case like when you're vaccinated you develop a kind of protection but it's not a hundred percent feel safe in the emotional sense I feel like it's a weekly probably not daily but it's a constant you know thing that you have to become aware of and become that honesty is critical because sometimes we like to, to put stuff under the carpet, even when you have woken up, yeah. when you have become kind of woke. We still like to tell ourselves some convenient half-truths. Yeah. So we always have to be on the lookout. Am I being honest in the situation? What do I really want? Am I shrinking? So this you see a t-shirt here? Who's one of them from
0: Topic Collection? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I collection. Love it! I, say, right? I love it. Exactly. So, so wives to be could also be wearing that shirt. So absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. Totally.
1: You know. <laughs> so I feel like it's a constant process, but I feel like once you start it, the, the the likelihood
0: of returning becomes less and less. Ah, so it's consistency, absolutely, with all things. Yeah. I I wonder if that emotional muscle group that requires. That daily exercise, so we can stay alert and pay attention to ourselves. If many of us even know how to find find it, listen. Because it's easy to pay attention to other people, in know. But oh. how, how do you pay attention to yourself? What is your routine in the morning to say, Kamala, good morning, how are you? What are you doing? What did you do? How how do you get to that station on the network? And interestingly, I think many people, especially Jamaicans, are not
1: tuned in. I was telling a group recently that in my several years of doing therapy so far jamaican people will come to me every week for a session and i'll say to them how did how did this particular situation make you feel typical therapy question right how does that make you feel and Ninety-five percent of the time, journalists start to feel away. What, what, what the way is? What is the What's name? The way? What is the name of the way that you feel? You get me? Because many of us are not trained to use our feeling words, nor our feeling muscles, nor our emotional. We call them muscle groups. We're mm-hmm. not. And so that's something that I'm, I'm also passionate about helping people to even become aware of and to become stronger. For me, I feel like. During the time when I was preparing for medical t- to become a doctor and I realized it wasn't working out, I developed, um, I think, moderate depression, a like clinical depression. I was, like, just not functional. I was functional but not functional. And you know, many of us have that. It's high-functioning depression. So I was going to school, everybody saw me, but I was low down. And I feel like from that experience, I have, I think it becomes almost automatic that you develop this sense of having to be honest with yourself. Because even if you tell yourself a lie today, by Sunday, you feel a little little off.
0: There's a hangover of yeah, from the
1: lie. Yeah, <laughs> you, feel, you feel some type of way off, like something hundred. What am I mm-hmm. blanketing or what am I not tapping into? So I don't even think I have the option to consistently hide away from it. Because yeah. the process has already started, you know, as part of my... Um, surviving the depression, I had to tap into that habit of introspection and being deathly honest with my kindly but seriously honest with myself.
0: So that that that, that radical honesty you know, So that now I'm saying the truth of all truth of all truths to Kamala, and nobody may ever hear this truth, but it's important that I hear it. Once you get to that space of truth telling with yourself, mm-hmm. how skilled are you at doing it for other people? Because here's the truth. Your lighthouse is not just the person who turns the lights on and says, come in, let's have hearty soup and just kick back and watch some Oprah. The lighthouse can be somebody who tears tear off your garment and hose you down because you need cleaning yeah. and you're not recognizing that. Yeah. Knowing what you know about the brain and uh, emotional health and mental health and what needs to happen... How do you help those in your circle to get to that place of honesty? Is it possible to, to bring people with you? Because it's something I find myself wanting to do, don't know if I can do it, but God know I have the desire to bring people with me into that clarity and honesty. Yeah. Is it possible? It is possible, and I love that question. Um, a
1: lot of the people in my circle will tell me that one of the things that they value most about me is that I'm not judgmental. Mm. That is, for many people, the foundation that allows them to open up, to become a part of the journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if they feel like they can tell you the ugliest truth, or if they feel like they can come and tell you a piece of the story, and you know the full story, though, but you're not telling them, say, crystal stop lying to yourself. Yes. You just say, girl, it's going to be okay. We'll talk. You know, mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Yes. And next week, Tuesday, they come and say, guess what? That is really going. And you say, yeah, man. It's all good still. No judgment. Just straight <laughs> up, same way. That allows for people to be, to be open mm-hmm. and it allows them the, the, the opportunities to set their own schedule because sometimes people need to find their own rhythm because facing the truth, if you are not yet ready, can be devastating and so it's giving people the space so it, it doesn't have to be today or right now but I'm on this journey, it's helping me and also to model it. So when you can say to somebody, I had to admit this very horrendous thing to myself, they see you know as a lighthouse type person yeah. because they can now look and say, I want to model that behavior that Crystal is, is, is exhibiting. I, I, want to, I want to adopt that behavior as well. So it's possible. It, it requires unconditional positive regard, which is what many people refer
0: to as love. That whatever you do... <laughs> let me tap let me that here on my computer. Unconditional positive of, regard. Positive regard. Feel free to pause the podcast right now. And make a note of that in your notes app or wherever it is you keep notes about all the things you want to remember. But I love that, that conceptualizing of it. Yeah. So in order to be lighthouses in, in a meaningful way to those that we love, mm-hmm. unconditional positive regard, mm-hmm. allowing them their own schedule for revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, did I miss anything? No, I, I want to add something else. Mm-hmm. Also, it requires for me
1: to also be open to so somebody giving it to me, when I may have be having a blind spot moment. Ooh. Because I can't always be just dropping truth on people as if I am the, the end all and be all, of yeah, yeah. all, all virtue. You know? Yeah. There are moments when we all have blind spots, when you think it's that, but it's really not about that, it's about something else that you haven't dealt with yet, or you're still becoming in that space, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And one of your friends has been modeling very well, and pick up, say, you know, say, you know, 100% truth about that, and I say, girl, Check this for me and tell me if it's not true. So you still feel some type of whatever. We have to be open to that now to say, you know, it's true. And to be, to what? to be humble.
0: Yes, be humble. It's true because when yes. you've gotten used to being somebody's pillow and you know somebody's crutch and somebody's way maker. Mm-hmm you almost forget that you also need people to do that for you. Absolutely, and that's why my coordinators insisting
1: that we also develop a lifelong realization that we need therapy mm-hmm. all the time and we need help was so, so important because we have to be balanced. I
0: love that. Unconditional positive regard, something I'm going to take with me into the days of my life. Choose awesome. the music from the sofa. <laughs> now, you are CEO for two businesses, powerful brands that represent one, love and magic through the, the bridal collection. And two, I think the authentic smell and almost taste of Jamaica. Just the naming of your Island Lyric products made me feel like I just bite into a right <laughs> plant and I go down the riverside. Um, so, so tell me how you move now from clinical psychologist mm-hmm. into the space of creativity. You know, that working together with the left brain and the right brain to make something successful and coherent. How did that happen?
1: Um, well, since I was young, I've been making dolly clothes, mm. so I feel like that's where the creativity started to blossom. I loved my mother would pick the ugliest clothes for me when I was younger, and so I made myself aware that once I was old enough, I would become, I would express my my creative style, you know, in the way I chose.
0: Is it that mommy wasn't stylish, or she didn't want it to look too shiny and pretty? <sighs> I still feel, I still
1: do I still like that. <laughs> <notes. laughs> I <still laughs> <not> packing that. <laughs> Let's just say we're different. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. And so. The creativity took me by surprise in this type of way though so i moved to montego bay for my first job with the ministry of national security and while there i just developed this need to figure out how people did stuff so diys became my thing like i can i think i can do that if i spend enough time figuring it out so because i grew up in the pentecostal church and the catch on fire headside hats were always my thing i hated the dowdy old woman type looks mm-hmm. i was like i want to wear the little cute little ones yeah so I said, i'm going to teach myself how to make them and so out of that, I started to make fascinators, went on YouTube, learned how to make them, practice them, put them on Facebook and people wanted to buy them. I was like, well, looky here. <laughs> and so eventually I said, let me formalize this and make it a business. So that's how White Lotus Designs was born. Oh. And then we started, oh, I, I prayed that to the Lord, I needed a, a space, a retail space to sell these from. And I got a space on Old Hope Road to start. And then a lot of my customers turned out to be brides. I said, let me just buy 10 bridal right for car, a credit card, which is not advisable by the way. That's poor business advice, <laughs> but I did it. Um, and,
0: and I started and then
1: Waduta's bridal house, Waduta's bridal boutique and design house was born. Um, so it's been a very interesting process um, where I feel like I now have the, it feeds me. It's part of my soul food, that creative expression. And then the body care was born out of coming from the breast cancer journey. Mm-hmm wanting to create that um, element of wellness and helping other people to be creamy skin, man your body and that type of thing. So that's where I that came from. Many people are still like, why did you even study psychology? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> so do
0: you still practice, practice I psychology? do, I do. How do you manage to do all of that? Because you creatively have to come up with the concepts now for the White Lotus Island Lyric um, Lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to remain mentally present for the, the health and well-being of your clients. Mm-hmm. How, how are you able to jump across the spectrum
1: Interestingly, it, it comes naturally. I feel like one of the things I, I realized at some point in my life that would make me a good psychologist, ultimately, was that I tend to attend very well to people, so I'm an excellent listener. And it took me a while to realize that that's actually not something that many people have. So you need to identify it as a skill, which many of us are poor at. Identifying and accepting that this is a skill because it comes so easily and so naturally to us. So when I get into that space of any kind of conversation, whether we're a friend or a client, it tends to come naturally for me to be present and to attend. Um, the challenge I do have now though is balancing the time that mm. it all takes. And so for 2019, I'm making some important shifts. And this probably is the first place I'm saying it publicly, but I'm likely to be leaving the bridal space very soon. Mm. Yeah. Selling the business or closing? Um, I'm trying to actually do some selling of some of our stock. Okay. You know, for those who, who want to tap into that space. Okay. But as it relates to being the person, you know, I think it's time. It no longer is my pivotal passion thing. Uh-huh. And so it's important to acknowledge that, you know. Um, and so for me you now, the important things to me know are the body care. So there's the idolatry connection, which you which you so aptly described as. Yes, it's yes. supposed to be an ode to Jamaica, yes. celebrating all things Jamaican. But I wanted to create one, which is a celebration of women. So
0: last Month, I officially launched the White Lotus Body Collection. Okay. Yeah. And what, what's the difference there you know, in terms of the products, the, the scents or fragrances?
1: Yeah. So for the, for the White Lotus Body Collection, the additional stuff that we have put in are things like we have bath bombs and we've made them into very small cute flower shapes that you can drop into like your foot soak to get the fizz, the essence, and some of the most relaxing benefits, mm-hmm. you know, of a warm foot soak. I've also done a face mask um, collection with, okay. with, with beautiful clays, etc. And um, instead of the, the, the packaging is different, so for the collection we did things like we use patois on the labels, yeah. so instead of saying directions please would say this with mm-hmm. or hopefully use this. Mm-hmm. For the white lotus one I have affirmations in, engraved on wood that I put on the packaging. So you're using your, your um, body oils, etc. and you're seeing an affirmation like I deserve good things an affirmation that I can and I will, these types of things.
0: So it's really meant to nourish you physically as well as emotionally. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how you're marrying those lessons in psychology um, yeah. to the, the, the living of life. Yeah. It's an advantage, I believe. It's amazing how many persons in that psychological space we've spoken to already um, who are able to tap into that knowledge and apply it yeah. to, to life. For somebody who is just living life, you know, we didn't read the textbooks and we didn't go to school <laughs> we're not watching Dr. Phil. What, what would be my touch point then? You know, how, how do I find this kind of community? And if I, if I can't find it and I don't know all the answers, what, what do I do first? You know, what's that thing that I do to begin this revelation of self?
1: I feel like it comes down to actually doing an inventory. Take a piece of paper, take a pencil or a pen, or your favorite journal, and just start to write down, what do I have? And that might be things that you're proud of, and probably not so proud of, but they're all important, because for many of us, as entrepreneurs, we can take a pain point that we ourselves have, and use it so powerfully to become a product, a resource for other people, which you're going to be paid for. So don't shy away from the, oh, that's not so attractive, no, because if you have a problem, chances are many people can identify with that problem. And so for me, a major experience for me in that love space has now become a product mm-hmm. because I was open to not shying away from it anymore, not living in the shame of, oh my God, this field, like this bombed so horrendously, but actually taking the lessons from it and realizing that I'm not alone. There are many of my female friends who over time and even now have struggled with the same things, mm-hmm. feeling worthy, like, oh my God, can I really be with somebody like him, that type of thing, you know? And so that has become it. So start the inventory. What am I good at? What do people say I'm good at? And what do I know that I'm good at? Don't be afraid to own that. Um, What do I want to change and why? That's an important question as well. And how can I move from where I am to where I want to be? So do the inventory. And I feel like once you shift your thinking about improving self and focusing on anybody else's business, you start to attract people into your space and resources into your space, you know? Um Sometimes we may have to shift our circle a little bit, sh- shake it up, mm-hmm. because if you can't come to a friend and say, "Let's talk about this concept or this idea, or let's talk about being better versions of ourselves in the next three or five years, then maybe you don't need that person anymore. So in, in that way, you can be, you can be begin to craft your community in some type of way, and then you know follow
0: that journey. Well, let's sit there for a little bit with the community mm-hmm. in in an attempt to create this sort of authentic space where women can come and sit and share. You've started <clears throat> life classes, yes? Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about that concept. What, what do you hope to achieve and what fruits are you already seeing from that very first staging? So the White Lotus Blooms Life Class was born out of one
1: personal experience mm-hmm. and clinical experience. There's so many stunning women who have come to sit across for mean therapy who are so unaware of their greatness and what they have because of a romantic relationship that it became like a big red light to me, like something I going on in the Jamaican of the world with our women and our men generally. Mm-hmm. And so it became important for me to create something to help women to tap into in a very real way their worth and to nurture and celebrate that. So Life Class is meant to be a space that provides resources for women and the men who love them. Mm-hmm because we can understand and talk to ourselves as women and them what they're still a bagabaga we're happy <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they need, some touch they up need to so, be equipped you know <laughs> fully because otherwise what are we going we're going to do? we're going to get back into it fully yeah. and so it's for women and men who love them so it's meant to be a spa- a private intimate space where women can come and non-judgmentally you know unpack you know have somebody like me as one of one of the facilitators to be able to engage with what it is that they need to unpack and for us to discuss, you know, how we are, because I'm not sitting up here as if I am the grand lecturer, Dame, mm-hmm. You understand of all things romantic. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. And even if many people say, are you married? I'm not. But even if I were married, that does not equip me in my mind to be an expert either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm a resource. I'm one of the possible resources to come and really help. You know to create an authentic sharing space where we can use the psychological tools as well as other tools to really get our blooming love lives. That's the name of it. Get your blooming life, your blooming love life in particular.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Such a fantastic play on words, and yes, we're seeing again White Lotus playing a, a critical role in the imagery yeah. of what you're, you're, you're going to do, and I believe going to do fantastically well. Thank you so much. When you think of Your next chapter, what do you hope it involves? Ooh, that's a good one, (laughs) Crystal. You're
1: good at this. The next chapter for me, I feel like I've been doing the work. Mm -hmm. I'm at number thirty-five in my number of years, and I feel like I have been doing the work. So I feel like no, even I need to just relax and reap, because I feel like sometimes even I develop this whole complex around, or it has to always be struggling. And work, and I always have to be grinding right now. There comes a time when you've done it, laws of nature, when you plant, after you plant, you reap. So for me, I'm looking forward to an ease, a season of ease, because I'm not slacking off. I have been doing it and I'm still doing it. But I feel like I need to just take a chill pill myself and just a girl, let it come to you now. Relax and enjoy what you have been planting. So I'm looking forward to ease. I want to retire at 35. (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) I'm five years behind schedule, by the way. Listen. So I will never stop until I reach there. Whatever the age is, I want to retire. And retiring for me doesn't mean, you know, not working. It means doing passion work. Mm. And so interestingly, December 8th of this year was the one year anniversary of when I resigned from UAE. I was lecturing, I loved it, but I wanted to lecture on my own terms. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the life class type of stuff. Because yeah. my students are like 19 and 20, and I saw where they needed resources that the curriculum didn't say that they needed. So I said, let, let me start something. It was scary. It's been a, one year on my own. It's been adventurous, to say the least. But I I feel validated now that the vision can work and that it's, it's powerful. So for me, the next chapter for me includes more intentionality. I don't need for my life to look like what you think it needs to look like. That has been one of my major lessons from 2018. It's my life. It's mm-hmm. my vision. I just want to stand in that some more. I want the ease, you know, um, that comes with... Abundance, I also am looking to set up systems where I don't have to be so hands-on because running the businesses it's a lot of manual work, but I want to be able to start it, pass it on you know to those who can do a good job and move on to my next. So I'm both
0: exploring
1: and thriving for my next chapter.
0: You know what I love about um, your story? The very first thing that out told of me, and I made a note of it, is that you're not afraid to change your mind about what you want to do. You have not been afraid to change your mind. From the idea of being a pediatrician to not wanting to do it anymore, and you want to do something else. From lecturing and doing something you love to wanting to do it on your own terms. Um, the passion work, as you described it. Just deciding that I've done this, I've done it well, I've done it not so well, but the fact is I've committed time and energy to it, and I am willing to let it go. I thank you for saying that because I don't think I've ever framed it that way. And that's,
1: that's very validating for me because there is anxiety that comes with it. Girl, make up a book, you know, oh, a student after you. Yes. What are you doing? Yes. And sometimes it feels like you're not being responsible as a grown as adult person. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, girl, like, pick, some, pick, pick something and just be about that. But that's not, that's not how it goes. I feel like there have been very set seasons. You know, the season to have done that. Beautiful. Thank you. I learned. And move on Absolutely. and so I thank you for framing it for me that for me because that's that's very valuable no problem I mean it's really a pleasure
0: to, to unearth these kinds of truth about the different tones that life can take and I think doctors perhaps provide the very best example of that need to stay in the lane mm-hmm. so when, when I meet a doctor who's an artist yes. it's weird you know I meet a doctor who's also a lawyer mmm <laughs> because there's some people who we think must walk that alone and mm-hmm. to do anything different is just too different. Yeah. It's not what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. So as you move into that season of thriving and reaping and ease yeah. I hope you enjoy it. You know without the guilt of wondering should I have, could I have mm-hmm. I must not have I pray that you do enjoy ease. And I thank you for saying that you wanted the ease. There's a celebration of struggle mm-hmm. when people work hard and discipline and consistency and grind and sweat and pain yeah. and climbing the mountain. I know, but I don't think enough people admit to wanting to just stand up at the top of the mountain and inhale. You mm-hmm. know, like I don't have a, I don't have another plan. I just want to stand right here and feel the sun. Mm-hmm. That's it that's that's just it that's where I am and, and that's where I want
1: to be and, and I've heard myself okay. say some things in, in this interview that perhaps a couple years ago I would have shied away from saying it because we're, we're not comfortable many times speaking about our strengths mm-hmm. we're not comfortable being vulnerable yeah. we're not comfortable saying that we really want like that's it and I feel like especially in the love area if you can't say what you want and not feel some type of way how are we gonna get it you have to see what do you want. So that's one of the major areas in the whole journey in the book that I put together. Oh, tell me more. Oh. So I. Oh my God. So out of the first life class, I put together a workbook. Okay. And then I decided to do more with it because it was just there. It was printed, ready for a life class. Then I said, "Come on, there's so much more to flesh out." So I put together an ebook that is called leveling up in love
0: men needed kamala and i'm sure (laughs) the listeners needed kamala right there's a theme i have for my my love life it says love on purpose Uh and and whatever it is i'm going to do in those intimate spaces it must be deliberate and intentional and i must attend to my partner so, Medide, where do I go? What do I type in? Who do I send the email to? So you work? go
1: to whitelotusblooms.com mm-hmm. and you will know that there is a shop and in the shop we have ebooks and courses. Okay. And okay. you will find the, the the ebook ready for purchase.
0: White Lotus um, Blooms. dot com. Yes. Lovely. Yeah. So so for the person again who needs to pause the podcast, write it down, open up a brand new tab so you don't forget to get it. There's a lot of work that we need to do. And love, mm-hmm. loving ourselves, certainly absolutely, but I think the, the the delicious part, the savory part of love now is when you get to share it with another human being, absolutely you know, mm-hmm. you get to grow in those moments, and yeah, the pain points that you have to get through, mm-hmm. but
1: to do it with company, yeah and it was important for me to put it out there that I mean it's an ebook on purpose, it was intentional. Mm-hmm. Because many times we read beautiful stories and they're beautiful and we feel all fluttery and beautiful. But the reality is for many of us it takes intentional work. And we don't celebrate the work part. I have to do work on me before I can be good to a good man. Mm-hmm. Or before I can be the good woman that he deserves to have. Not that I'm unworthy no, but there's just work to be done. It's just reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the book tackles issues of how do you really feel about you do you, what do you really want in love? Do you believe you deserve it? Because many of us don't believe that the good man we want is really out there. We believe say, we have to settle for the almost good because man, good man scares and these types of things. And because we feed ourselves these narratives of the good man scares. We have the issue of people, that tell people, man, and I will bag a mix-up story. And if you see what's happening in the news in Jamaica, the many relationship issues that are what? Escalating into full-blown violence murder, suicide, children being murdered because of vengeance over love. We need to do the work. So we focus on things like, what's wrong with being single? There ain't nothing wrong with being single. And some of the things that we tell ourselves about singleness while we wait. And that's why many of us become so uncomfortable and just run up into anything that comes We settle settled because we are afraid of being alone. There's nothing wrong with doing the work while you're single. And then how to recognize when it comes, what you really want, what I'm supposed to look like, or you want to feel in love. So it's a, if you're ready to do the work, the workbook yes. is ready for you. Yes. And it's not doom and boom it's not stress, it's just simple questions, but pointed
0: questions. Unconditional positive regard. Yes. Every time you say the word love, I, I challenge myself to go back to the Kamala definition. Because I, I love what it means, each word. Mm-hmm. Unconditional, mm-hmm. positive, regard. regard. Yeah. You know, those, those things have been... I think the word love has... Taken on a, too many of the cultural unrealities yes. of what the emotion and, and the relationship should be. Many of which are fleeting. Yeah. So when you start feeling the good way, the sweetest, sweetest way, you say, oh, I must, I must have stopped I'm loving yeah, you. Know, I don't, don't love you anymore. More. Don't touch me. I'm not in love. And there's no distinction between love and in love. Yes. So I love <laughs> unconditional positive, positive regard. I believe it was Dr. Karen
1: Carpenter, who was one of my lecturers at UA, yes. who had this very interesting concept. She said, listen, many of us believe that love is when your heart beat fast, right? Every time you see the person. She said, imagine you live with a man for 70 years, and every time you see me, happy yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, just to your the
0: So, just to
1: underscore the point that we need to really reevaluate mm-hmm. what is this love word and what, what, what a love name will you look for? What does it mean? Yeah, because, because, because for each know of us, one. it's
0: different too. So there is no Cinderella version that we must all have, or Thank it's you. fake. Thank you, Candy. You know, I love, and every time I use the word love, no, I'm challenging myself <laughs> to talk music. But I have unconditional positive regard for this perspective. <laughs> for this perspective. That's awesome. My final question to you, and we ask all our guests this one, is about fear. What's the big fear that you've had to kill in the last year, in the last few years? Ooh. So one of them was something I, I mentioned here publicly for the first time
1: about closing the, the bridal element of what I do. That has been terrifying mm-hmm. because as an entrepreneur, your business almost mm-hmm. becomes like your child. And so when you pump so much into it and it doesn't give you what you want, it, it feels like a sense of failure. Um, And in the sense of feeling sometimes that can be alienating because you don't think you might understand or you might understand. So you kind of, like, who do I talk to? Will people get it? People cause businesses all the time. There are many businesses that started in Montego while I was there that are no longer there, you know? Internationally, serious closing down all these things. But when it's your baby, it feels some type of way, you know? So that's one of them. And so for me to have been able to say it publicly and not be living in trepidation and moving on to something else, you know, that, that, that has been a major point for me. One of the other fears interestingly was starting life class. Because once you put yourself out there or attempt to in some type of way, you start to wonder in your head now, all the thoughts come, so who do you think you are to be telling people Jack about <laughs> anything? I don't, like, wish for your certificate in a, in a loveness, a relationshipness? Really <laughs> like, show me your receipts right? And so, thank God for my tribe mm-hmm. of women like Keisha, Dion, Esther, Sherian, who keep me. Together, like girl, girl, get your life, because these people have been talking to me informally for years, and they have pulled value from me in the love space and in life in general. They're, they're like, people need this, yeah. Yeah. people need it, people need it. So please get over yourself and your stuff and go to the people and things. Get on with so it. So to start, it was 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 very was, was, it's very inspiring. I think yes, it inspired fear. Mm-hmm. It was very inspiring <laughs> yeah. for me. And to start the first one, I felt a big sense of victory. And um, to reach out to a corporate sponsor, I was like, then come on, if you're not 100% sure, so you this. You're say you fear feel it is. Because as we can forget, what if you do it? <laughs> but thankfully, I did reach out, I stepped over the fair. And they said yes, awesome. and I'm just going to work on the details, so I can just broadcast it all over Jamaica and over the world. Amazing,
0: amazing. Powerful conversation here with Kamala McQueen, associate clinical psychologist, entrepreneur, adding new layers to that entrepreneurial spirit, a public speaker, and I'm continuing to say it, the survivalist, because mm-hmm. as we survive one thing and conquer one thing it must be a recommitment to continue to do this mm-hmm. because you know, just survive and then struggle stop Yeah. So, I don't want us to be So I want us to be survivalists. Putting the tools together, having a little toolkit to know how to attack those and problems as they come. And to just be emotionally honest enough to decide that it's okay to not want to try and survive this experience anymore. Okay. You know yeah. what I mean? Don't I try to survive one, yeah? yeah? I'm gonna go and try something okay. else. How do we find you online? How do we, so we know White Lotus, WhiteLotusBlooms.com. Mm-hmm. If we want to do the purchases and, and to get some of the T-shirts tools that you T-shirt have. T-shirt, yeah. but how do we follow the life and times of Kamala? So there is at on Instagram, there is at White Lotus
1: Bridal, there is at Lotus Patrice. That's my personal account. Mm-hmm. So Lotus everything. So White Lotus Bridal, Lotus Patrice, White Lotus Blooms, ah. and then for the body
0: collection, there is Island Lyric underscore collection, and all those platforms um, have. The Facebook, Twitter components as well, or it's all on Instagram?
1: Instagram mostly, and on Facebook. Um, on Facebook, it's White Lotus Bridal, and for me, it's Lotus Patrice. Well,
0: an opportunity here perhaps for any entrepreneur who would like to buy the business? Absolutely. Yes. What's the email address? Let's see, let's see if anybody is going to take up the challenge. Sure. What's the email The, the, the easy one is White Lotus Bridal Boutique at gmail.com. All right, let's see if anybody's bold enough now to take on. This particular challenge of buying With support. and continuing to build um, <laughs> right on, on this team. brand. Yeah, yeah man. Because I, I love the sound of it. I would hate for the name to disappear. Yeah. A lot you know? of people have been saying that to me when I share it, you know, privately. So yeah. I'm open to that, actually,
1: because I do want to see continuity. I just, don't, I just don't feel like it's for me to be that major person anymore. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, we know what's going to happen in the next chapter. We are staying tuned to observe and to celebrate, certainly. Um, to sing praises when we see it happen. I'm sure that you are covered and you will continue to be blessed. And I pray that you remain open to accessing all these blessings and new lessons you so as much. life goes on. You're at number 35? Number 30, sweet, sorry, 39, Lady Musgrave. No, no, I mean what tell oh, yeah, you're 35. You're at number 35. 35 okay, yes. so we look on to see what the other 35 plus, plus. will bring. Yes, Thank please. you so much for sitting and speaking so openly with us, Kamala McQueenie, uh, the CEO of White Lotus Bridal Boutique and Isle and Lyric Luxury Body Collection. It has been an absolute pleasure hearing, sharing the emotions of that story. And I do hope you guys have a paper full of notes, <laughs> of lessons, and redefining of words that we can use to enhance our personal relationships. And please come to my class. Yes, whenever they're ready to go and you start to advertise and all of that, I'm going to start off by getting my ebook. Awesome. Gonna start off by getting my ebook because love is a big thing for me very big thing as we change we may not even recognize that our expectations of other people change and what we're willing to accept and what we're willing to give as well so it's constant reflection constant reflection thank you so much for tuning in for this episode remember to send us your comments and if you know someone with a powerful story a fear killing story please send us their contact information we'd love to speak with them there is no story too small nobody too obscure and unfamous and unpopular who should think that their story has no value. There is power in the tale that we all have to tell. May we be so bold as to tell them truthfully. That's it for this episode of Good Gas Mondays with me, Crystal Tomlinson. Shoot me your emails at killfearnow at gmail.com. Follow us online at killfearnow. And you can follow me personally at Crystal Tomlinson on Instagram and Facebook. Looking forward to connecting with you for another episode. Stay with us, enjoy this Monday, and may your week end even more powerfully than it started. Love and blessings to you. This episode of Good Gas Mondays was brought to you by Megamart, best value by far. If you're in Jamaica and looking to grab a copy of my book, Kill Fear The Art of Courageous Living, then be sure to stop by any Megamart store across the island Megamart Waterloo, Portmore, Mandeville, and Montego Bay.